Hello captives and captive friends and welcome to episode 19 of the Global Captive Podcast supported by legacy specialists R&Q. My name is Richard Kutcher and my guest co-host this time is Kate Storey, a Guernsey-based partner at Global Offshore Law Firm Walkers. Kate, welcome to the pod. Thanks very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Good, Kate. Well, we were both at the uh, Captive Review Awards last night. And so if my vote does sound a little croaky and tired, then uh, I, I do apologise to yourself and to, and to our listeners. Um, don't forget, you can subscribe for free to the Global Captive Podcast by searching for us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud or any other podcast platform available to you and please do also find and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. I have got lots to chat to Kate about today, China, new formations in Guernsey, pensions and insurance linked securities but we will also be back across the pond to hear from captive owner and seeker chairman Steve Michelhenny, CEO and chairman of EWI Re and AXA XL's man in the US Stephen Bauman. But first, Kate, uh, being based in Guernsey, Europe's largest captive domicile, we will naturally focus on some of the developments coming out of a jurisdiction in the past 12 to 18 months. We're hearing in the UK and across Europe that there is a lot more interest in captives right now as the insurance market is in transition, as the insurers might want to call it, or hardening, as I think we should probably be calling it. Are you seeing an uptick in captive formations in, in Guernsey already this year? We certainly are, and it's really across the board, uh, speaking to the insurance managers in Guernsey. It's across um, all risk classes, uh, particularly PI, marine cargo, construction, energy. And we're seeing inquiries from all sorts of places, particularly Europe, Central and Eastern Europe uh, and Scandinavia, um, but as well as places like Israel, Um, and China Um, and it's not particularly surprising really I mean as you said Guernsey is Europe's largest captive domicile has been for many years Uh, Guernsey's been doing captive insurance for many decades and consistently wins best captive domicile at awards like last night like last night um, for you know succeeding years so and actually, more than 20% of FTSE 100 companies have a captive in Guernsey. So it's already a popular choice. And now with a hardening market, uh, people looking at using captives more, obviously Guernsey is one of the first ports of call for them. Some of the benefits of Guernsey are that because of the many years of doing captive insurance, there's real substantial economic substance on the ground in Guernsey in terms of the insurance managers and actuaries and other service providers, including lawyers. And so no problem whatsoever for Guernsey to demonstrate that economic substance that's required by new um, EU and OECD initiatives on economic substance. Um, And Guernsey's whitelisted by both the EU and the OECD for tax transparency and tax cooperation, but it's also outside of solvency too, um, which makes it a very attractive proposition for captives in terms of having a much more proportionate risk-based approach to solvency. Great. Well, um, Kate, obviously you mentioned there, obviously Guernsey's background in captives and, and long time in captives, and it's always been 
at the forefront uh, for innovation as well when it comes to insurance and you think particularly the famous uh, example is obviously the kind of innovation of protected cell companies in the kind of late uh, 90s, I think 1997, I think that might have been. Yeah, that's right. um, And one of those areas more recently, which has been uh, really innovative, has been the use of incorporated cell companies for, for pension longevity swaps. And I know that you've been heavily involved in, in some of those large transfers that have already taken place in the last kind of four or five years. Could you just explain for those not familiar with this with this concept what a pension longevity swap is and what the role of um, incorporated cell companies or ICCs is in that? Yeah, so the Guernsey model for a pension longevity swap does use an incorporated cell, um, but a pension longevity swap under the Guernsey model basically is where the trustee of a pension scheme ensures the longevity risk of that pension scheme to a captive owned by the trustee and then that captive cell reinsures usually 100% of the risk back out to the commercial reinsurance markets and incorporated cell companies have been used uh, because pension trustees are obviously risk averse you know they they've got to get the best possible protection for for their monies um, and incorporated cell companies offer an extra layer of ring fencing and bankruptcy remoteness from a PCC, a protected cell company, in that each cell in an incorporated cell company structure is incorporated. It's a separate legal company in its own right. Um, And so that gives that extra layer of ring fencing, which pension trustees found really attractive. And um, the incorporated cell company structure is not available in many of the major insurance jurisdictions. Uh, for example, it's not available in Bermuda or Cayman. Yeah, so there have been some really large uh, pension schemes making use of this tool in the last, as I said, four or five years. Uh, BT, Merchant Navy offices, British Airways are some of those public examples that spring to mind. What, what are you hearing on the island as to whether there is a, is a further pipeline for more of these deals? I believe they, they're not quick deals, are they? They, they take they're quite not. a lot of time. So the word is that um, each of the insurance managers do have several in the pipeline, but as you say, they are long-scale transactions. So they take at least a year to come to Guernsey anyway, to, to, to get to the stage where they're at the point of setting up the incorporated cell in in Guernsey, um, but yeah, there's there's several in the pipeline. So um, we are confident that that market in Guernsey is is very buoyant. And I mean, there's been seven or eight deals over the past five years out of Guernsey, which doesn't sound a lot, but as we said, huge. the duration and they are yeah <laughs> massive transactions. Uh, Sixteen billion for the BT scheme, the first one. Um, and they, they're usually in the billions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, not surprising they they take their time to to um, get done. Um, but the Guernsey model really is tried and tested over those five years, mm. and the incorporated cell company structure is is robust. And I think it's interesting as well. The insurance managers obviously uh, see an opportunity because they've all invested, or most of them have invested in kind of separate vehicles to do these products. I think um, I think one of South Watson have got a. ICC setups, particularly for facilitating these transactions. I believe Artex have got one as well. They um, have, yeah. yeah. Willis Towers Watson's got the Longevity Direct product, which I helped to set up back in 2014, 2015, and that's been very successful. Um, 
I think that's had the the largest number of um, transactions to date. Um, you know, not quite fifty percent of the deals, but but getting there. There are these products where you don't have to set up your own incorporated cell company structure. A, a, a trustee can take a cell in an existing structure, which is why the ICC is obviously beneficial over a, over the PCC model. Well, now we will have our captive owner interview for the episode. While at the VCI annual conference in Burlington, Vermont in August this year, I sat down with Steve McElhinney, CEO and chairman of EWI Re Inc. EWI is owned by the Contran Corporation and Steve is also the president of the company's single parent captive Tall Pines Insurance Company of Vermont. Steve began by trying to unravel all of his different hats and the companies that make up a fascinating structure. Our business model is a bit unique. Under a, the same common parent company, we basically have a, an insurance division, if you will. So um, uh, we use Tall Pines as the means to basically write uh, manuscripted policies for our entities worldwide and then to reinsure them. Um, and basically, Tall Pines is a captive in Vermont that we've had for about 35 years, one of the first here. It's evolved over time quite a bit. And then um, EWI, uh, as you mentioned, is a reinsurance intermediary uh, based in Dallas. We also have a London uh, affiliate. And so we have global access to um, to all markets that would support our risk, which uh, include Lloyd's and a variety of leading uh, reinsurers around the world. Um, you know, basically, our organization is involved in heavy industry and chemicals and you know, businesses by their nature that have both frequency and severity potential. And so... Um, Risk management, loss control is a key part of our uh, organizational DNA, if you will, and really how we manage risk. And uh, the captive has been an enormous tool uh, to us over time to really um, partition that risk, to access reinsurance. And then the brokerage arm allows us to do business for uh, our parent company as well as third parties. So we also are out out there doing uh, reinsurance for captives on a broad scale. And then, uh, um, you know, unusual runoff legacy transactions we do from a third party standpoint. But it's very unique. It might be the kind of model you might see perhaps in, say, Europe or Asia, but very unique for the United States. And it works well because our um, family of companies are, are um, you know, very closely controlled through the holding company. And, um, and it's really been an evolution of progress over the 15 years I've been there. And, and so what's your, what's your role within those two organizations and how do you kind of divide your time? And are the two roles very connected? Yes, uh, so uh, we're uh, really three hats, if you will. I'm the chief risk officer for Contran Group, so ultimate um, officer responsibility for risk, um, broadly defined. And then uh, EWI, I'm the president of that organization, and then Tall Pines, I'm also the president uh, as well. Um, So basically, overall responsibility for the insurance uh, aspects of our group. And, uh, you know, we we measure progress over time through a variety of ways. And uh, uh, But it's it's been a very... um, very good model in terms of uh, driving improved results over time. Great. And then in regards to uh, Tall Pines, you gave a bit of background there, obviously a very, very mature captive. Can you just explain to me uh, kind of when it was formed and how it has evolved since then? Sure. So I think we were formed in uh, 1984. So I believe uh, in Vermont, we were one of the original, I think, 30, number 33 in the rankings. And uh, basically, um, at one time, it was uh, we had a, a captive in Bermuda that was redomesticated over to Vermont. When I joined the organization in 2004, we actually had two Vermont captives uh, that came together through mergers. So one of the first things I did, I merged them together into Tall Pines. And uh, 
And then um, really over time, uh, the last 15 years since I've been on board, we really tried to um, do a number of things to uh, improve the captive. Uh, we had some uh, um, third-party assumed business when I came on. We very early innovated that out and, and gave that to a, a counterparty, which was a very prudent move, I think, over time. And then um, we sought an AM best rating. We got rated in 07. We've been upgraded once. Um, you know, but essentially, uh, we're trying to use the captive uh, each year uh, with, uh, if you will, as a French, fresh piece of paper. So, you know, not necessarily let's not renew what we did last year, but, you know, looking at risk today, what would be the best solution? Does the captive make sense? How so? And then uh, over time, too, we've had some one-off risk opportunities come up that we've been able to put through the captive. Uh, we were able to, to do uh, two appeal bonds related to litigation, and uh, it was a great way to really capture uh, premium income of appeals that went our way and had no risk. Essentially, it made no sense to go out and buy a bond off the shelf. And so we're always looking at things that way. If, uh, here's a new risk. Does the captive work, yes or no? And uh, it's, it's a very um, evolving uh, process. I, th I think it works really well for us because my entire experience is in the insurance industry as, as well as my team. So we bring the same mindset to bear every day for our captive. And so although we're in an industrial group, we have very deep insurance knowledge. We're very active in a variety of associations because that helps us be tapped into the industry and hear what's happening. Uh, so it's, it's a very vibrant model, and um, you, you know, it's been very successful. Um, you don't form a captive for financial reasons, but the, um, the, the growth over the period of time we've had it um, has been uh, double-digit compound annual growth of, of capital. Um, it's built up uh, capital and surplus that we've been able to pay dividends to the parent company. But beyond the financial aspects, it's been a better risk tool. We have broader coverage, uh, probably claims paid that would not be the case had we... Uh, had just an off-the-shelf in, uh, commercial insurance policy. So it's, uh, it's part of an overall process and uh, very pleased with how the captive has uh, served our organization. Great. Then, and just lastly on, on the captive, uh, could you just specify kind of which lines? Of it? Obviously, you seem to, I think you probably write a lot of lines of insurance, but what, what particular lines do you write? Yeah, currently in the captive, we, we have a, uh, a very large property program that's uh, about $500 million of um, property limits that covers our worldwide affiliates. Um, it's a manuscripted policy, so it's issued by Tall Pines to the um, parent company and all affiliates. Uh, through that, we're able to get probably broader coverage than we would commercially. Then we buy our casualty tower through the captive. Uh, we buy about $250 million there. And that provides uh, you know, very broad, all-risk coverage for the, the group and its various activities. Um, some things are outside of the captive and organization, like uh, the financial lines, DNO, we have outside. Uh, we have a pro primary program where much of the comp risk is actually outside the, the captive. But um, always looking at, uh, as I mentioned, those one-off opportunities as well to do a standalone policy. And we found uh, the Vermont regulators very um, supportive of that. You know, it's allowed us to do some things very quickly and uh, uh, to react to risk situations. So um, it's really, I guess, the key linchpin of our risk strategy is the captive. Great, Vern. And uh, it sounds like it's obviously extremely embedded into the organization. The organization is obviously very committed to having the captive. Um, do you still, though, have to feel like you should go through the motions of, of proving its value? And, 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 and so just in case there is ever a change of structure above you, that you can, you can demonstrate that value of the captive? 
Sure, sure. So some of the things we look at, obviously, the financial returns of uh, the you know the division of re- of insurance uh, within our organization. But looking at um, cost of risk in our organization is a key measurement of progress, and that's been going down. Uh, we look at safety statistics. We look at uh, you know OSHA statistics, and all, all those have shown a very steady level improvement over time, uh, much better than average at this point. Um, so really, I think part it's part of an overall um, board process of just showing. Uh, these are this is the overall value to the organization of having the captive and EWI, and uh, by doing that, it's provided both financial returns but better risk um, control and syndication over time. Great, and then on EWI, um, you've already touched about it on a little bit. So, uh, when exactly was it formed, and and what services uh, does it offer in relation to other other captives? Sure, uh, EWI was actually formed uh, independently in the in the mid 1950s, and wow. so uh, uh, the parent company Contran acquired um, uh, EWI in 1999, and uh, basically it was a freestanding uh, intermediary based in New York at that time, and uh, moved the operation to Dallas. Uh, I, I came in in uh, 2004, and basically, uh, you know, over time EWI has evolved, uh, you know, to be. Um, a little bit different than it was prior to Contran coming in in terms of its uh, focus. Uh, at that time, it was all focused uh, very heavily on, um, uh, you know, financial lines and professional liability. And uh, now we're, we're very much an industrial uh, captive intermediary at this point. We're very focused on the risks that we have as well as advanced solutions for other uh, clients. And so so essentially, uh, you know, within that uh, operation, I've, I've built uh, the team, brought in new people, new roles. Uh, we, we launched our UK London office about six years ago, and that's been very successful for us. It's allowed us to really access any market. Uh, we're Lloyd's brokers through that, uh, and we can place essentially any risk globally that comes to us uh, on that basis. Um, and so the business we do with, uh, with other clients would be very much uh, reinsurance for captives, reinsurance for risk retention groups. We also do reinsurance for, for mutual insurance companies in Texas and Oklahoma and other states that uh, oftentimes are a bit overlooked by the, the large brokers. And then uh, in my prior life, so I've been very involved with runoff transactions, so increasingly we're getting involved with runoff transactions uh, for for captives and risk retention groups. We've done a few of those at this point. Um, we see a lot of growth potential there as well. Uh, so really, it's um, if you look at our model, I've got a team of individuals that are really you know, very highly skilled, um, dealing with enormously complex risk at the parent company level, and that same team is available to work on other clients as they come up and so it's and we service them intensely and and frankly we're, we're in pockets of uh, opportunity I've talked about that you don't typically see the global brokers uh, going into so it's it's a nice business and uh, it's uh, I think it has a lot of growth potential and we're very much uh, going after that. The Global Captive Podcast is supported by RQ, the award-winning provider of exit solutions for legacy liabilities and companies in runoff. RQ can provide a wide range of solutions and has A-rated paper across the United States and Europe. LPTs, novations, business transfers and acquisition are all frequently used and tailored to the seller's requirement whether in runoff or fully active but seeking greater efficiency. If you have legacy, you should talk to RQ. 
Welcome back to the Global Captive podcast, where I am joined by Kate Storey of Walker's Global Offshore Law Firm. Another area of strong growth for Guernsey, Kate, is the insurance-linked securities market. I'd probably point to Aon and Artex, since the, since the latter's acquisitions of Cain and Hexagon in particular as the kind of the main drivers of this ILS business on the island. How has, how has the emergence of ILS over the past kind of decade or so really transformed the insurance landscape in Guernsey? Well, ILS has now become a major segment of Guernsey's insurance business. It's responsible for the majority of new formations and has been for several years now. Guernsey's now a serious contender with Bermuda on the ILS piece. Mm. So as far as I'm aware, and I'm, I'm always, I like talking about ILS, but I'm always keen to bring it back to captors as well. We still haven't seen any traditional captives utilise that local expertise for collateralised reinsurance or, or sponsoring catastrophe bonds. We've seen more examples of it in the US over the years. The obvious one that springs to mind is the Metropolitan Transportation Authority in New York using their New York captive to sponsor a Bermuda cap bond. Amtrak did something similar with their Bermuda captive, I believe, and Kaiser Permanent, the Californian healthcare company, used their Vermont captive to sponsor a Bermuda cap bond uh, for earthquake cover. Do you, is will we get to the point where we think Guernsey's will start to look at the uh, Guernsey's captive? Sorry, will start to look at the kind of ILS market and the local ILS market on the island to, to consider alternatives to the traditional reinsurance market and begin looking at things like cap bonds and collateralisery. Very much so. And talking to insurance managers in Guernsey, there is big interest from ILS managers in in offering this to Guernsey captives. Um, you know, Guernsey captives, like any other insurer, need to look at diversification, um, and ILS offers that diversification, and it, it's it's secure and it's fully collateralised, so it's a good option. So I, I do see that being something that uh, increasingly Guernsey captives will look at. Of course, Guernsey captives have always been involved in collateralised reinsurance. I mean, yesterday at the captive review event, you had Pierre Paul from Ravenscroft talking about um, collateralised reinsurance transactions uh, for captives and the security interest agreement mm. options that are available for those transactions. So collateralised reinsurance is is what Guernsey does. Um, but yeah, it'd be it good. It'd be good to see ILS specific collateralised reinsurance yeah. coming to Guernsey captives. Yeah, no, absolutely. For me, for me, I think it will happen. I think the fact that you've got the largest captive domicile in Europe and Europe's premier ILS jurisdiction in, in one place, I think the synergy should should start to happen. And obviously a lot of the same players, you think of Aon and Artex particularly. Yeah, yeah, it uh, makes sense. It should make a lot of sense. Okay, well, our third guest of episode 19 is Stephen Bauman, Head of Global Programs and the Captive Practice in the United States for AXA XL. Steve is a well-known figure in the US captive market, having previously worked at Zurich and Aon, and he started by telling me about his role at AXA XL. About two and a half years ago, I joined uh, XL Catlin, uh, and then about um, nine months into that, AXA purchased XL Catlin. So um, joining uh, a large group then combined into a much bigger group. So we're a formidable carrier, global carrier. Uh, my role is as marketing and business development in North America around global programs and our captive practice, which include all the captive programs 
in North America for North America clients. And I understand that Axtrexel are also considering getting involved with the uh, group captive market here. So is, is that correct? And can you expand upon that a bit? Yeah, sure. You know, we, we have been involved in a group captive side. Uh, we have about six group captives that we have maintained for many years now through uh, XL Catlin. Uh, we're looking to grow that business, so we're, we're going to be putting on more. We're actively talking to uh, to different group captive uh, managers and uh, and clients that want to go on group captives. You know, group captives is is a great way to um, to to move more insurance programs uh, into the middle market, and so middle, more middle market companies are are joining group captives. And uh, you know, we do a good job at the ones we have. And we look forward to doing more of them. So, so what is the role that uh, AXA plays, AXA Excel plays with the group captives? Is it on the fronting side, the reinsurance side, administration? Well, that's exactly it. So we are fronting these programs. Uh, we provide reinsurance and coinsurance as well, as well as we provide all the other uh, services around policy issuance uh, that goes along with uh, any policy that's out there in, in the marketplace. Uh, we provide those services on group captives as well. And uh, again, we, you know, it's, it's, it's a... Group captives is, is a great outlet for companies who don't have maybe the size uh, or the desire to form their own captive. And um, when when groups get together and, and they are in a group captive, they work well together and, and they learn from each other and they become better insureds because of it. So, you know, we look forward to that business. So... The other topic and the hot topic I've heard you talk about quite a few times before is, is the cyber topic. And uh, we saw in the latest uh, Marsh Captive report that uh, there's, there's continued very high growth from a slow ba- from a low base. Sorry, but a lot of growth in captives starting to want to add cyber. How are you seeing activity evolve around the cyber risk topic and how does Axa Excel get involved with captive owners if they are exploring that, 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 that risk? Yeah, you know, cyber risk, uh, obviously, it's new uh, and it's an emerging risk. And, you know, there's one school of thought um, that I've really not agreed with, and that was, you know, volatility in captives and emerging risks into captives. I think captives are so well suited for emerging risks, and and cyber is obviously one of them. Um, You know, so many captives now are so much more mature with a lot of more capital surplus in them that they can certainly take more emerging risk and volatility in their captives. So looking at cyber, to me, it's a natural fit into captives. And it's, it's growing, obviously, toward, to every company out there. Everybody who does business has a cyber concern. So uh, to me, that's a natural fit into captives and obviously a natural fit for, for XXL to, to get involved with uh, helping clients uh, better utilize their captive to put cyber into it. And we also uh, touched on this with, uh, with your colleague Matthew Latham uh, in episode 11 that he co-hosted with, with me. But I understand uh, parametric insurance is an area that you're quite interested in. How do you see uh, parametric uh, products developing it with connection in regards to captives? Yeah, you know, parametrics um, aren't brand new, but I think what is new for parametric coverages is the amount of data available now and, and the amount of processing that we can do with data now and where we can get data everywhere around the world. And, and that's kind of, you know, I think kind of reinvigorating parametrics. And so with that, um, I think you're going to see a lot more insurers use parametric coverages uh, around, mostly around weather, but parametrics can be used for other things as well. Um, and it's really kind of, you know, like a laser focus coverage for insurers. And I think for those insurers who have those, those risks around weather uh, and it can be quantified, I think parametrics is a great solution and a great connection with captives because, you know, a captive utilization for a parametric can do a nice quota share with a company like ourselves. 
and um, I think it, it, it works well together. And so, I mean, we, we're seeing more talk about it, we're seeing more demand for it, and we're seeing more uptake for it as well. So you, you mentioned at the top of the interview about uh, the AXA acquisition of, of XL Catlin. So when, obviously you guys are now AXA XL. And one of the things that's brought with it is the, uh, or part of it is the Maxis Global Benefits Network that tie up between MetLife and AXA uh, on the life side. How are you enjoying working with uh, your new colleagues on, on, the, on the employee benefits side of things? Yeah, you know, I, I'm really enjoying the, the uh, AXA acquisition. Um, you know, it brought uh, not only Parametric, it brought Global Motor as well, uh, but it brought Maxis as well as a sister company. And so uh, working with Maxis, uh, I guess it's a little bit strange because I always knew Maxis in the captive marketplace. So I, I was always very familiar with Maxis. And now that, the, you know, they're a sister company to us, uh, I'm thrilled because they're one of the best providers out there around employee benefits and, and, and captive utilization. And uh, it just opens up a whole other avenue for us to work, um, you know, within the AXA group and then with clients as well. Uh, you know, prior to that, um, XL Catlin didn't have uh, much outlet for employee benefits into captives. Now we got one of the best. So I'm, I'm thrilled by it. And, uh, you know, we've, we've done a lot of work together, even in the short time that we've been combined now. And uh, it's going really well. So into the final straight now, Kate, uh, before we get to hear about your chosen song to play this episode out to, I believe you have recently been to China as part of a Guernsey trade trip promoting the captive concept and, of course, the domicile as a, as a premier option. What, what kinds of Chinese companies are interested uh, in forming a captive in Guernsey? Are, are you seeing? Yeah, that's right. So I am just back from um, the Guernsey Finance which is the promotional agency for Guernsey Financial Services. So they, they put on a Shanghai masterclass, uh, which focused on captive insurance. Um, and I presented at that. And there was a really good audience. There were 200 people there. And um, it, so it's, it's really of interest. Um, and that masterclass is actually held every year. So it's a, it's a, it's a good event. I'll have to come out next year. I'll have to come yeah, out Yeah, yeah. And the types of people in the audience, people from private businesses and also private wealth managers, they're, they're interested in this. Um, but it is, it's private businesses that are, that are looking at um, uh, Guernsey Captive. State-owned enterpri- enterprises would... Stay in China. Yeah. Um, it's private businesses, but also there's a lot of interest from sole entrepreneurs looking at family captives. Uh, so big interest in that and then so why why Guernsey I know obviously there's a, a bit of a, a a lot of the offshore jurisdictions want to kind of get a piece of the China pie um, I know Gibraltar are keen to get out there as well I'm sure that Bermuda and Cayman have, have got designs on China I know Hong Kong is trying to be styled as the kind of China option for them and Lab One want to get involved so why do you think Guernsey is possibly a, a suitable option for for Chinese businesses well, for those Chinese businesses that are expanding operations in Europe, Guernsey is obviously the right choice. Um, you want uh, a captive domicile uh, that's in the European time zone, good proximity to London. Um, and so uh, location-wise, it, it works. Um, but also, Guernsey's very well-respected uh, jurisdiction, um, which is important to the Chinese. And uh, there's... A number of cooperation agreements already in place uh, between China and Guernsey. You've got a memorandum of understanding between the Guernsey Financial Services Commission 
and the China Banking and Insurance Regulatory Commission. And there's also a memorandum of understanding between Guernsey Finance and the Beijing Airport Economic Core Zone, which is a key business hub. So there are these arrangements in place which are really facilitating business coming to Guernsey. Um, And Guernsey Finance does have representative offices in Hong Kong and Shanghai, and they've just been brilliant at facilitating uh, that business looking at Guernsey. Thank you to all of our guests this week, Stephen McElhinney of EWI Re, Stephen Bauman of AXA XL, and of course you, Kate Storey. Thank you for coming on to the pod. Thanks very much indeed. See you next time, captives.